son graduated this week, and so we were at a couple of graduation parties, and at one of them, there's a, a couple boys in our church, and they, they went fishing together. Yeah, this has nothing to do with, you know, with uh, what Scripture says or anything, but they show me, a, I love to fish, and so they show me this picture of a, of a flounder they caught, so I just thought I'd, we'd show this. Is that ridiculous? Uh, for any of y'all who are fishermen, that's pretty awesome. For the rest of y'all, y'all think that's gross and you don't care, but that is good to eat. So anyway, I just wanted to show you, that's Ricky Kernan and Will, who plays the guitar. Must be nice. i got to quit doing this stuff. we got to go fishing. Um, anyway, all right, so that has nothing to do with anything. But if you have your Bible, so this is a good segue from fishing right into Scripture. If you have your Bible, we're going to look in 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter 5 in verse number 1. And as you're, if you want to turn there, I'd love for you to do that. So go to the middle of your Bible, turn right. Actually, go to the far right of your Bible, turn left, back, you know, left a little bit, not too far, and you'll run into 1 Thessalonians. So 1 Thessalonians 5, uh, one of my favorite games when I was a kid was hide-and-seek. Love the game. Everybody here, we all know how to play hide-and-seek unless you were born in a cave and were raised by dogs. And so we all know how to play. We know the rules of the game. You know, you, you hide, and the person who's it, you know, like counts to what, like 100, and so they count to 100, then after that, what do they say? Ready or not, here I come. And so you have to make sure that you are hidden. I mean, if you're not, if you're still running around, hey, too late. You know, the guy who's it, he's coming after you, after you regardless. And as I, as I think about some different things in life, it, it's really amazing to me how even in the game of hide-and-seek, there is a spiritual lesson that's there. And the spiritual lesson is, like, like right now, it's almost like God is counting. He's counting to 100. And there's going to come a time when God is going to start coming for his people. He's going to come after us. And he's going to say, hey, guys, I got you 100. Ready or not, here I come. And so I just thought that is really interesting to me that the Bible teaches us that there will be a day when Jesus is going to come back. Did you all know that? Now, I know that there's some of us, we say, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. Jesus is coming back. Yeah, there's two different kinds of ways when Jesus is going to, or how Jesus is going to come for you and for me. Uh, one, he's physically going to return. We will live until that time when Jesus sets his foot down on Mount Zion. He shows up again, or we're going to die, and then we're going to stand before God. And so regardless of whether you're ready or not, the Bible lets us know Jesus is coming. Jesus himself said this. Uh, Jesus said in John 14, verses 1 through 3, he said, your heart must not be troubled. He said, believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's, in my father's house are many dwelling places, and if not, I would have told you, and I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, he says, I will come back. And receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And so one thing we can know is that there's coming a time when Jesus will come back. But we're, today we are continuing our series, uh, Lie to Me. And we're taking a look at some of the lies that Satan tells us so that we will miss out on the blessings of God, the peace of God, and the security of God. And one of the lies that the devil tells us concerning the second coming of Jesus, him coming again for us is, don't worry about it, you've got plenty of time. Don't, don't, don't worry about it, you can do whatever you want because you've got plenty of life ahead of you. And so that means that you can do whatever it is that you want to do. 
But today in our passage of Scripture, what we're going to see is the Apostle Paul teaching us that, that time, that life is not an unlimited commodity. I mean, it's not something that we just simply have forever. There's coming a day when Jesus is going to come back. And so what I'd like for us to do today is try to figure out how we can combat the lies that the world, that the, that the devil tells us so that we can be ready for when Jesus says, ready or not, here I come. And so if you have your Bible, we're going to look very briefly in, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And just a little background information. Uh, Thessalonians, the book, was written to Christians who were living in the city of Thessalonica. Uh, it's still a city today. It's in Greece. Whenever this was written, about 200,000 people lived there. So this is a big city for back, back during this time. And the Apostle Paul had gone to this town years before, and he had started a church. Now, not everybody liked the church. Not everybody liked what Paul was teaching. Uh, he was teaching Scripture. He was teaching there's going to be a day when Jesus would come back. And, and many of these people, they believed in, in a lot of different gods, and they had bought into the lie that it doesn't matter how you live, we're all going to be okay. Doesn't matter how you live, doesn't matter what decisions you make in life, just simply live to please yourself because this life is all about you. And then Paul comes along and he says, uh, that's not right. There's coming a day when Jesus is coming back. So the question is, how do we, how do we combat the lies of Satan? And I think what we can do today is just look at some lessons that we can learn that can help us in this area. And the very first lesson that we can learn today from our passage of Scripture is, is to understand this. Understand we really don't know how much time we have left. Do you know that? We don't know how much time we have left. Now look with me in verse number 1. Paul said, About the times and the seasons, brothers, you do not need anything to be written to you, for you yourselves know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. And when they say peace and security, then sudden destruction comes on them like labor pains on a pregnant woman, and you or, and they will not escape. Now Paul starts off the very uh, first part of this chapter by saying about times and season, brothers, you do not need anything to be written to you. Uh, what's, what does that mean about times and seasons? Well, what Paul is referring to here is he's talking about the return of Jesus. He's talking about the Bible earlier Jesus had mentioned in the Gospels that, that there will be some times and seasons that will be indicators to let us know. There will be things happening where we say, and we might be getting kind of close to when Jesus comes back again. Now what many people were doing is they were trying to guess like the exact time when he'd come back. Have you, you know, and we've seen this over the years when people said, you know, in, what was it, 2012, you know, there's going to be a great disaster and I guess... You know, in some, in some senses, you, many of you thought that there was some major disasters in 2012, but it wasn't the end of the world. And we, we just can't, we can't pinpoint when, when God is going to come back. And, and Jesus said this. That's why, that's why Paul says we don't need to write anything else about it. Jesus has already spoken to when he's coming back. He said in Matthew 24, 36, Now concerning that day and hour, when I come back, he says no one knows. Neither the angels in heaven nor the Son just the Father only. Now we have to be careful here, and this is a little, I'm kind of sidestepping out of what we're talking about today, but we have to be careful not to try to be guessing 
like the exact day when Jesus is coming back? I mean, I, I believe he's coming back soon. I, I don't know when. I just believe he's coming back soon. But what was going on in our text is that there's some people who said, we believe Jesus is coming back soon, and because of that, what we're going to do is we're just going to relax. I mean, he's, it's almost like we, we got credit cards, and uh, we're going to go out and spend all we can on these We're going to max out on our credit cards because we're never going to have to pay it back because Jesus is coming back soon. Now, that sounds like a good plan. If I knew the date, let me tell you, I'm going to get another car. And so, but the thing is that the people here didn't know when Jesus was coming back. So they, they quit working. You know, they just said, we'll let other people take care of us because Jesus is coming back soon. Now, this ticked Paul off. And so Paul wrote uh, in 2 Thessalonians 3.10, he said, if anyone isn't willing to work, he should not eat. Isn't that great? And so that's like one of my favorite verses right there. I tell this one to my kids. And so we're going to get little bumper stickers made up for that. But this is, the, this is, in one sense, this is like the background of this text. The lie that Satan was telling people is it doesn't matter how you live, relax, do whatever it is that you want to do, because you have plenty of time to get your life right before Jesus comes back. But here's the deal. Life is real uncertain. Nobody has a clue how much time they have left. And guys, there's coming a day when Jesus will come back. Uh, in verse number 2, Paul talks about the day of the Lord. And he says it's going to come like a thief in the night. Now, before I go any further, here's a question. What, what is the day of the Lord? You know what the day of the Lord is? It is a day of judgment. Now, this is not fun to talk about. And I know some of you are thinking, I came to church today to be uplifted, and you're talking about judgment. Yes, I am. Just bear with me. But if you look all throughout the Bible, you'll see it mentions over and over again, there will be the day of the Lord. What is the day of the Lord? It is a day of judgment. And when I say a day of judgment, I mean, I'm talking about, it's not like God's going to come down here and kind of slap us on the hand and say, man, you shouldn't do that. When I talk about judgment, I mean judgment. Yeah, we need to be aware of this. Uh, the Bible is very, very specific about this. In Joel 1.15, Here's what it says about the day of the Lord. It says, how awful will that day be? For the day of the Lord is near. It will come as destruction from the divine destroyer. That's uplifting, isn't it? Isaiah chapter 2 says, when God comes back, one thing he's going to do is he's going to come with destruction. What's he destroying? He's destroying those things that stand against him. He's destroying those, those people who refuse to submit themselves to the leadership of God. And yet one of the lies we believe in is we got all the time in the world. Everything's going to be okay. God is going to be just fine with us regardless of the decisions that we make. The Bible says the day of the Lord is going to come like a thief in the night. How does a thief in the night come? He comes stealthily. It's not like he makes a big announcement. Having to be robbing your house today from anywhere from like three to five. I mean, if, if he did that, y'all, we're gonna, you know, we're not gonna, we're not gonna let him in. You know, we're gonna be ready for that. It says when 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 Jesus comes back, he's coming like a thief in the night. In other words, we're not gonna know when he's coming back. Now, that's true with life. We don't know how much time we have. We don't know how long we're going to live. None of us do. 
Now, we can try to do things to make ourselves live longer, right? We can, we can eat good. Uh, we can exercise. We can be nice to people. But did you know none of those things guarantees one extra second of life for you? Now, I'm not saying they're bad things to do. I'm just saying it's not a guarantee that you're going to live longer. Uh, an example of this to me was, I remember back in the, the 1970s when jogging really became a sort of like a craze. And one of the major reasons why is because there's a guy, and you're, I know some of you are going to start, you're going to smile when I say this, a guy named Jim Fix wrote a book called The Complete Book of Running. came out in 77. He, was, uh, he started running in the 60s, smoked two packs of cigarettes a day, weighed 240 pounds, quit smoking, started running, lost, got down to 180, and was on TV shows all over the place about the benefits of running, how healthy you are when you run, how much longer you live. 1984, Jim fixes running, and he drops dead of a heart attack. Okay, now, my uncle saw that, and he said, I knew running kills people. And so he's like, I, he refuses to exercise. He says, bad for your health. Now, here's what I take away from that story, though. Totally different than my uncle. Life is uncertain. I don't care what you do. Life's uncertain. James 4.14 says, you do not even know what tomorrow will bring, what your life will be. For you are a little bit of smoke that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Guys, don't take life for granted. Don't think you have all the time in the world because that's a lie from the devil. And so one way to combat this lie is to learn this lesson. We don't know how much time we have. We need to be aware of that. But another lesson we can learn to combat the lie of Satan that we have all the time in the world is to understand this. Judgment is coming. There is a judgment. Now, I love to talk about the love of God just like anybody else does. But there's another side of God as well. He's loving. He's righteous. And the Bible says He judges. Now, look with me in verses. We're going to read verses 3 through 5. It says, When they, the world, says peace and security... Then sudden destruction comes on them like labor pains on a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But you brothers are not in the dark. In other words, you Christians, you're not in the dark. So that this day would overtake you like a thief. For you are all sons of light and sons of the day. We're not of the night or of the darkness. And if you're a follower of God, you need to be aware that, I mean, you should already know. We don't know how much time we have left. We know God's coming back. And so we shouldn't view life as, as an unlimited commodity. Because when you begin to view life like it's unlimited, then it doesn't matter how you live. You think I, everything's just going to be okay anyway. And so what the, and this is our world today. Our world today cries out all around us, peace and security. Everything's okay. Everything's good. And yet, guys, what is right around the corner? The Bible says... Destruction. Now this is talking about the return of Jesus. Now when Jesus comes back, he's coming back, not to be just some mean guy, he's coming back to make things right. He's coming back to put everything in its proper order again, but before he can clean things up, he's first of all going to clean house. And I don't want you to think I'm up here saying, or getting all excited, saying, man, I can't wait for Jesus to come back and kick tail. I'm not saying that. I don't want you to think I'm one of those preachers that's real excited about that, because I'm just thinking, man, I hope I'm not the first one that he starts kicking. 
But the Lord, before he cleans, he's got to get the dirt out. And he's coming, the Bible says he's coming with destruction. And that, and that word destruction speaking of eternal separation, where he's separating the good from evil. Where he's separating man from God. Those men who refuse to follow God, he's separating them from him for an eternity. We're told in 2 Thessalonians 2, 9 and 10, the coming of the lawless one is based on Satan's working with all kinds of false miracles, signs, and wonders, and with every unrighteous deception among those who are perishing. And they perish, why? Because they did not accept the love of the truth in order to be saved. What's going on? So many of us, instead of living for truth, we are living for the lie. What's the lie? That we can live however we want to and everything's going to be okay. That God is not going to judge. That God's never going to make things completely right. He might make things right with other people, but not me. Guys, that is, that is a lie. And we see this all throughout Scripture. As you read through the Bible, you're going to see that God, God has a, a desire, a plan for how He wants you and me to live. And would you all agree with that? God has a plan for how He desires for us to live. Now, when somebody, and I don't know necessarily how you are, I know how I am, but when somebody tells me what I have to do, guess what my nature is? I don't care how good it is for me. My nature is, I'm not going to do that. Is that right, Emily? And when somebody tells me, you can't do this, I think, yes, I can. You can't walk on hot coals, you know, barefooted. Yes, I can. I don't care what you tell me. We do the same thing with God. You read through the Bible, God tells people how to live. What do people do? All throughout Scripture. That's why I like the Bible so much. They rebel. God, I know that you're God. You created the world, that you know everything. But I think for some reason that I know better. So how does God deal with that? God says there's going to be a time, there's going to be a day when I will judge. Now let me tell you something. You want to get unpopular real quick, start talking about the judgment of God with people. Because we like to talk about God God, God loves and he does. And I'm grateful for that. Guys, God judges. God judges. In our politically correct world where we say everybody's okay, doesn't matter what you believe in, doesn't matter who you follow, the Bible begs to differ. The Bible tells us there's only one way to come into a relationship with God. And that is through his son, Jesus Christ. And for those who don't follow G Jesus who don't put themselves under the leadership of Jesus, God says there is punishment. Oh, it's not fun to talk about. But it's what Scripture says. But here's the good news. If you put yourself under Jesus, His punishment will pass you by. Why? Because, because of who Jesus is. Uh, look at 1 Thessalonians 2, 13 and 14. It says, We must always thank God for you, brothers, loved by the Lord, because from the beginning God has chosen you for salvation through sanctification, by the Spirit, and through belief in the truth. He called you to this through our gospel so that you might attain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. That the wrath of God, the judgment of God, passes by those who follow Jesus. And there's a great picture of this in the Old Testament. It's, it's the Passover. Remember the Passover? When the Hebrew people were getting ready to leave Egyptian captivity, God told the people, so I'm getting ready to judge. 
He said, if you want to miss out on the, the angel of death and destruction, he said, you take a lamb, you sacrifice it, and you get its blood, and you put it on your doorpost, and then whenever the angel of death and destruction comes, and he sees that blood, what's he going to do? He's going to pass over. He's going to pass over your house. Now, here's the really cool thing. Do you know that everything in Scripture points to Jesus? Old Testament, you know, that is a picture, the Passover is a picture of Jesus. One of the titles of Jesus, you know what it is? I mean, there's so many of them. One of them is the Lamb of God. The Lamb of God. John the Baptist saw Jesus. He said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. How's that happen? The Lamb of God, Jesus, was taken to a cross and he was sacrificed. And his blood was shed. And for those who believe and place their trust in Jesus, then so to speak, we are covered by the blood of Jesus. You've heard that term before? We're covered by the It's like the Passover. It's like when you trust Jesus, he wipes the blood around your home, around you. So that whenever death and destruction and judgment comes, and the angel sees that you're covered by the blood of Jesus, what does he do? He passes over you so that you have life. God's got love. But he is also a God who is just. Folks, understand this. God's judgment is coming. It's coming. Are you ready? See, don't buy, don't buy into the lie, Satan, that you, that you have all the time in the world. Life's so deceiving. You know, sometimes it, it just seems like we have forever. This past week, there's many of us as parents experienced graduation. Now, I know some of you already passed that and you just laugh. This is my first one. I always, you know what's strange is I knew it was coming. But for some weird reason, I just thought life was always going to be the same. You know that my kids, when I'm 97 years old, my kids will always be, you know, 12 to 18 years old living with us. Now, how weird would that be? And I just always thought life's always the same. But you know what? Life moves forward. And we don't have all the time in the world. It is passing. When it comes to God, you better understand that. See, there's some lessons that we can learn so that we don't buy into the lie of Satan. What lessons? Understand, we don't know how much time we have left. Understand, there is judgment. And so in light of that, it's the last one. Be prepared. Be ready. Be ready for when the Lord comes back for you. Verse number 6. So then we must not sleep like the rest, but we must stay awake and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we are the day, we must be sober and put on the armor of faith and love in our chest and put on a helmet of the hope of salvation. For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we will live together with Him. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up as you are already doing. What, is, what does Paul tell us to do? It's almost like we're driving a car, and Paul says, don't start daydreaming while you're going through this life. There is a road that you're traveling on. God has given us direction on how to live. He said, stay awake. When, when you're driving and you shut your eyes, you put on cruise control, and you decide, I'm just going to relax a little bit here, what's going to happen? You're going to have a wreck, right? You're going to veer off the path and find yourself in trouble. Same thing is true with us concerning our walk with God. Whenever we take our eyes off the road, 
our eyes off of God's word. It's like you're putting life on cruise control. And let me tell you something, you're not going to end up on the road. You're going to end up getting involved in a wreck. And that's exactly what the devil does to us. He puts obstacles in our way to get our eyes off of the road in front of us that God's laid out for us so that we'll wreck. Who, who is the devil? What's he trying to do? He's trying to destroy us. 1 Peter 5.8 says, Be sober. Be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, is prowling around like a roaring lion, looking for anyone he can devour. Satan is a predator. And he's looking to devour you and me. Now, if you know a lion, let's say, you know a lion is coming after you, is hunting you, what are you going to do? I can tell you one thing I'm, gonna, I'm not going to do. I'm not going to walk around in the tall grass. I know if a lion is hunting me, I'm not going to wear a meat suit. <laughs> right? If I, if I know there's a lion coming after me, I'm going to stay away from the territory of the lion. It makes no sense to go there. Well, the devil is just like a lion. And guys, if you don't want to get attacked by him, then don't hang out where he is. I get so frustrated at people and myself whenever we get attacked by the devil and I see where we're hanging out. You know, we're hanging out in the garbage can. You know, if, if you don't want to be attacked by the devil, don't hang out where there's lust. Don't hang out where there's anger. Don't hang out where there's selfishness and greed. Because if you do those things, then my goodness, expect to get eaten. Expect that somebody's going to come after you. If you want to protect yourself, you have to have the right gear. What's the right gear? Well, verse number 8, he tells us that we're to put on the armor of faith and love on our chest. Put on a helmet of salvation. You know, when you go into battle, it's always good to wear armor. You know, I mean, just in general, you know, chest protector. You know, do you, chest protector. It's always good. You want to protect your chest because that's where your heart is. The heart's a vital organ for life. In our walk with God, our heart is a vital organ in our connection with God. Jesus said in Matthew six twenty one, "For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also." Be careful what you treasure in your life. That, that's where that's where your heart is. It's, it's from your heart that the wellspring of life flows. He says, protect your head. Put on the helmet of salvation. Why do we want to wear a helmet if we're in, in this life? What does a helmet protect? Your head. Your head houses your brain. You know, your brain is the tool for decision making. That's why Satan is always looking to get in your mind. Because if he gets your mind, it's going to affect your decision making. So you put on the helmet of salvation. How do you put on a helmet of salvation? You look into God's word and you begin to see the promises that God gives you. You begin to look into God's word and see the future that God has for you. And you begin to realize that what the world offers you is temporary. It doesn't bring lasting joy and pleasure. It brings it temporarily, but it's not lasting. So you want to protect your head by wearing the helmet of salvation. You know, for me, it's, it's, I can liken it to this. It's a whole lot easier for me to ignore the temporary offers of this world when I think of it like I'm being offered a hot dog supper in this world. And I can, I can ignore I like hot dogs. 
but I can ignore a hot dog supper if I know I'm going to be eating at Ruth's Chris in 45 minutes. Devil's offering you a hot dog supper. God says, I got a steak dinner waiting for you. Now, which one are you going to opt for? What are you going to sink your teeth into? See, what I, what I want us to see and what I, I want to remind myself of, Jesus is coming back through your death or through his physical return. The question is, are you ready? Satan is a liar. He's, you don't think about that, don't worry about that. It's kind of weird to even talk about it. you got plenty of time. No, you don't. Life is moving. And there's some lessons we ought to learn to protect us from believing in the lie. Understand, you don't know how much time you have left. Understand, judgment is coming. And be prepared. Now some of you might say, you know what? I'm not real sure that I'm prepared for that coming. The coming of Jesus. But I want to be. You can square that away right now.